Hi, I'm Alan Fleming, and you're listening to Glory Days of Gold. Lord Provost Warren of Glasgow presents the Scottish League Cup to the side that lasted the course better. All conquering East Fife. As I made my way to that pitch on Wellesley Road To sing my songs for the boys in black and gold I heard the stories about 1938 I was just a boy I knew I'd have to wait those broken dreams and what might have been at that stadium by the shore But those glory days of gold might return once more Hello, hello, how do you do? We are the boys from New Bayview and we are back with this week's episode of Glory Days of Gold, your East Fife and Scottish football podcast. I'm your host Lee Gillis. I'm Doug Perry. I'm Gordon Henderson. You'll notice that we are one um, person missing. Michael has got soccer duties to attend to, so you're stuck with me on hosting duties. I will apologise in advance um, because my voice may start to to disappear um, as the the episode goes on because I've had the the dreaded COVID um, for the the second time. Unfortunately, it's not like they clap and you just take a, a couple of pills and it, it goes away. This one tends to hang around for a little while more. Doug, you'll, you'll know all about that, mate. Things hanging around, mainly STIs. Um, yeah, well, no, you know, I've never had an STI. I'm going to be very clear on that point. Scott Young said to me you gave him herpes, so... <laughs> If that's what you want to call it, we'll go with that. <laughs> Gordon, how are you? Yeah, not too bad. It's pretty good. I mean, also, I'll put on the record, STI free, so. Well, I'm guessing that you didn't go to any brothels when you were in Uruguay then? Uh, no, no. Um, no, I was kept on a short leash. Not allowed to go to the brothels. Yeah, you'd, you'd, if you're there with your girlfriend, I would imagine that. Never ever assume, Doug Perry. Never True. ever assume. Um, happy Mother's Day to all those mothers that might be listening to the, the show. That uh, this being Sunday, um, and before we go any further, let's have a, a quick word from from this week. Uh, this episode sponsors. East Fife Community Football Club is proud to sponsor Glory Days of Gold. Keep up to date with all our community programs through our Facebook and Twitter pages. There are classes available for every age and ability, from toddlers to walking football. Just search East Fife Community Football Club. May's Mortgages are Fife-based mortgage and protection specialists. Our aim is to provide our clients with high-quality, personal and friendly service. Our advisors have over 25 years of industry experience and have an outstanding record for sourcing our clients the products that suit their needs. Where we're different, though, Unlike many other brokers, from start to finish, we won't charge you a penny. Contact us via Facebook to find out more. Thanks as always to Maze Mortgages and the East Fife Community Football Club for your continued support. So, of course, we're here to talk about East Fife's uh, game versus Bonnie Rig yesterday. And let's be honest, it wasn't really much of a feast for the eyes, not that we were... 
expecting too much. I mean, that's the now the fourth time we've played Bonnie Rag, and thank God um, we might not have to go there for a long time, Gordon. Yeah, it's never it's never really a, a good or entertaining game. I think, uh, particularly when you go to Bonnie Rig, um, you know, it's a small pitch. The slope on it is horrendous. Um, Bonnie Rig are just a team, you know, for whatever their positives are, they're not a team built to play football or play football against. Uh, so it ends up just being a bit of a a bit of a battle. Um, and they're, they're not they're not generally the greatest games to watch. Um, and yeah, that's what it was like yesterday, basically. Uh, quite like going to Bonnie Rig. It's it's a decent day out, but I wouldn't I wouldn't be sad to see the back of them as a team. I don't think. Doug, I mean, we had you played one of our best forty-five minutes of football um, at Bonnie Rig away last time round. You know, it was pretty much the exact same. Um, it's, it's what we'd seen there in the, the opening 45 minutes where Donnie, uh, Donnie Rigg, that's not even a team league, where Bonnie Rigg absolutely battered us for 45 minutes and then the second half um, we seemed to to be the better side but we'll, we'll come on to the, the, the sort of peaks and troughs of the game the opening 45 minutes Doug was probably one of the worst games of football for 45 minutes I think I've ever witnessed yeah, it wasn't great. I mean, I think Gordon's touched on it. That not only is the slope the issue, as you say, it's very narrow and it's bubbly. I mean, it just you just it's not it's almost hard to get the ball down and play. I would say on that pitch, um, first half, as you say, was exactly like last time. I mean, they didn't. Fleming had one good save, um, but apart from that, I mean, they kind of. They were they had they had plenty of corners and plenty of sort of half chances, but never. I didn't overly think we were necessarily going to concede. But I mean, as soon as halftime went, you were like, I don't know, you just felt perfect. We've, we're we're absolutely laughing, but it just didn't quite materialise in the second half as I thought it would. No, I mean, Gordon, there seemed to be a bit of a a tactical shift from from what we've seen from East Fife recently, where we've played sort of a four three three almost. Yesterday it looked like we reverted to that three five. Uh, sorry, reverted to that three five two um, that we had success in in, in Bonnie Rig the the last time we played away to there. But do you think that there's a chance that we were we actually showed Bonnie Rig either a too much respect and tried to match the way that they play, which you know is not entertaining by any way, shape, or form, or do you think that it was because of potentially the success that we had the last time we played that formation around them I think when I when I kind of saw how we were lining up I thought I thought it made sense because my first thought is because the pitch is narrow maybe you know it's not the game for to play with wingers or to try and get the ball out wide it's going to be this battle in the middle of the pitch and to you know to not let Bonnie Rigg kind of outnumber us there made sense um so i thought i thought i i i generally don't like us playing 352 as much as kind of 442 or 463 or something but i thought it made sense and i i did see that greg said in his post match that you know he, he kind of alluded to that that it was we felt we played well with that last time so he's kind of maybe gone with that again i'm not sure it's given bonnie rig too much respect but I'm not sure it came off because, you know, on the one hand, 
you know, our performance on the day, we're probably pretty lucky to get a point. Uh, but on the other hand, I think, you know, there's times in the second half where you felt maybe we maybe we could change it a wee bit, get a bit of pace on, maybe get some wide players on. Uh, but to be fair, if you know, that's what hindsight, maybe if we'd done that, we'd have got beat. But I, th- I thought it made sense at the time, to be honest. Doug, seemed to be a bit of a, an uproar about Jack Healy not playing yesterday, um, particularly the given the fact that, you know, it's been nominated for the um, Team of the Week, etc. last week. Do you, do you agree with what appears to be Greg's assessment that it wasn't maybe the right game for, for Jack, or do you have a different opinion? No, I don't um, I don't disagree. Um, my only disagreement would be that he didn't bring him on at any point. Yeah. I just thought when they were tiring, going up that slope in the second half, and even with 10, 15 minutes to go, it seemed like quite a good idea. I thought I actually thought him and Denham would have come on on yeah. either side and just had a go, but um it yeah, it never happened. I, I was a bit surprised. I'm not definitely not surprised that he he didn't start, to be honest. Like Gordon said, they they're so physical in the middle of the park, you had to you had to match up. And I think Jack's not especially actually if it gets physical, I think he's maybe more prone to getting too involved in that side and his disciplinary ways at time don't help him, I don't think, in those sort of games. But no, as I say, I think he he definitely should have come on for me at some point. Agreed. Um, I think that there's, there's been something which we've mentioned a few times is the reluctance to change things. Um, I don't think that... I don't think we're, we're wrong to say that. I think we, we always tend to be quite... I don't know, reserved in our substitutions. Um, we brought the boy on Connor Young and we brought on Denham, but I kind of felt like maybe with 10, 15 minutes to go, you know, you roll the dice and we go back to maybe the formation that's given us some success and try and open the game up. Whereas part of me, Gordon, thinks that we were maybe happy to accept the draw. Potentially. I mean, I, I think I agree that at times, you know, there's there's probably every fan base, every football club, people probably think the manager's too reluctant to put subs on. I mean, I, th- I think certainly down the years, it feels like that's how East Fife fans always think about 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 the managers. Um, so I don't know if that's just something that fans always think. I, I did think yesterday that I actually wouldn't have minded seeing some subs before they equalised. Because um, I think Bonnie Rig, they obviously changed it quite early in the second half kind of after we scored and I did think to myself you know maybe just a wee bit of change like Doug was saying getting a wee bit of pace on you know they're having to chase the game now they're having to open up a wee bit you know maybe maybe a sort of small change there might have you know given made us more likely to get that second goal I think after you know after it got to 1-1 yeah he did make some changes um I don't know. I felt at the time that I would, you know, for a fan's point of view, I was probably happy to take the point. Felt like if anyone was going to win it, it would have been Bonnie Reagan. You know, I think if they'd if they'd won yesterday, you couldn't really have complained too much. So I think the longer the game went on, probably that feeling of I will take it and we'll, we'll maybe not go too gung ho for uh, for the win is maybe fair. Yeah, I think we were a little, maybe a little bit too cautious yesterday. 
I, I think we'll definitely look back at that as a point gained, really, in the end, rather than two loss. I think with results other way, it, it was actually quite a big point in many ways. It kind of keeps us looking up the way. Um, I, I just think, maybe it's just this level, but managers seem to be very reactive as opposed to proactive. Uh, I think, for me, it was screaming out for subs. You could just see you just needed that. And when you're 1-0 up, you're, if we could have then just taken the game with them and tried to finish it off as opposed to not letting them back in it, but I just it felt like that was coming and we just didn't react to it. So that was a bit disappointing. But, but yeah, I mean, look, it, the game really changed when the, the big Lewis Capaldi boy came on, who is, I think, a handful, we'll call him. I actually I had in my notes to, to bring up Kieran McGacky. I don't know about you guys, but he looks like he has lost an absolute power away from the, the first couple of times we've seen him. Because the first couple of times, like obviously I joked a few times about him looking like Lewis Capaldi or the Honey Monster from Sugar Puffs. But I think um, he actually looked in, not in great shape, but in much better shape than we've seen him. And every time, every time we play against him, Gordon, it causes us bother. Yeah, I mean, obviously, he caused bother in the first game, and I think at the start of the season, he, he definitely was carrying too much weight. And I think it might be that thing where like, you can get away with that in the Lowland League or the East of Scotland League. But, you know, he obviously wasn't really, you know, he scored a lot of goals previous. And, he, he, you know, obviously that was holding him back a wee bit. But I thought he, he, he did look a lot fitter today, and he really did change the game when he came on. I mean, they basically went for. You know, uh, they they started off with uh, the guy Fai, who's essentially a kind of seven foot beanpole, and then they took off him, put on McGahey, who's you know slightly a slightly wider but still massive guy, and he really did change the game. I think he was giving us a lot of problems, and you know when he's up there, the long ball's always on, always dangerous. Um, so I think you know that was just kind of. Tying us up a lot, and I thought he looked a lot better today uh, than he has kind of against us previously. He's looked, you know, he's got a kind of striker's instinct, you can see, but he's kind of, you know, he's, he's obviously able to move a lot, about a lot better uh, now. Doug, I mean, it's one of the things that I think's frustrated me about the squad as a whole this season. If you if you actually have a look at what Body Rig did yesterday, they brought on. Xander Murray, who I'll come to, to later on, and they brought on McGacky, but they actually changed the, 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 their forward line because it kind of felt like, you know, they had Faye up front um, and like Gordon said, he was a different sort of player. But then when they brought on Murray and they brought on um, McGacky, it actually changed the dynamic of the game. I don't think it was just McGacky because Murray had a, a, a forced an unreal save from Fleming and both of those players together, it just gave them a different dynamic. And when I look at our squad, if we're wanting to make an attack and change, it's very often like for Mike, we don't have any, like say for example, you take off Shivoni, you then bring on Shepard, or say for example, you bring off Healy, you put Denim on and it's always much of a muchness. There's never going to be anything that's going to, really changed the game. Like yesterday, we could have brought McManus on, um, off and brought on Pat Slattery. Again, they're both quite similar in the way that they play. Does it make you envious of the the subs that the other teams can make, particularly like, like we say with those guys about maybe, and also make you 
actually question our squad as a whole in terms of the depth and the, the variety? Yeah, I mean, I suppose if you've got a way you want to play and you're adamant that's how you're going to play football, then I suppose your thing would be you would want to have like two pretty good options in every position in a similar way. Um, you know, whether that's the stubbornness of the way you play, I don't know. Um, I must say, in lower league football, I've always been an advocate of a big guy and a wee guy. Um, and I think Bonnie Rigg, when they brought those two on, sh- it showed to me what I think a front two should look like at this level. Maybe not. They're neither are prolific. Um, but just that guy who's maybe a number nine, but he's not going to score many goals, but he's going to win everything. And I mean, God, the, the centre halves must have come off exhausted, I reckon, at, you know, that second half, because he just, you know, he's awkward looking and he's cumbersome, but he does a great job. Like he really yeah. did. And on a different day, as I say, that, that change might have won them the game. So, yeah, yes and no. I, I can see why you wouldn't like, because I think the problem when you've got a big guy, which Bonnie Rigg do do, is, is you tend to just go pretty direct, um, which generally I would say they sort of did towards the, the last half hour. But some games it's effective, some games it's not really. Yeah. I want you to talk about the goal, Gordon, because at that moment, um, I unfortunately, I've managed to miss the goal. I have seen the highlights. Um, but you know, Trouton takes the the ball the, the goal very, very well. But I mean, from a bonding point of view, you're you're devastated you haven't defended that better. Yeah, definitely. Because they, they, they did get a couple of chances. So it was a long throw from Steele on the right. I think Bonnie Rig managed to clear it, comes out to McManus, who kind of takes a bit of a sclaffy shot. Um I think it then sort of rebounds, ricochets out to Trouton on the left-hand side of the box, who gets one go at it, hits a bonnie rig defender, kind of goes back into the group of players a wee bit. And I think Newton and then Ferguson work it out to Troughton, who's all on his own again. You know, they've come out to Troughton the first time. He stayed out there. Their defence is gravitated towards the ball again, works his way back out to Troughton again, who then basically, I think, basically sells two bonnie rig defenders. He just, he just kind of walks passes them walks past them, gets a bit of space, picks his spot, top corner. Fantastic from Trout. I mean, I mean the 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 finish at the end, the wee, the wee move to get himself space and then the shot was brilliant. But I think, yeah, Bonnie Rig, multiple chances to clear it. Um, you know, two players getting absolutely done by Trouton and leaving Trouton all on his own twice at the back post. Uh, poor for their point of view, but a very good goal from our point of view. Doug, I mean, I don't know about you, but in recent weeks, Troughton is definitely putting himself in a position for, for player of the year because I think we've all been quite critical of him, but this move to the sort of middle of the park where we could actually benefit from his creativity and, and just actually coaching the likes of the Fergie alongside him is actually a joy to watch. Didn't have much of that yesterday. I kind of felt there's a few times he was he was dispossessed and bullied, um, for lack of a better expression, with Bonnie Riggs physicality but you know that's him on 10 goals for the, the season now and you know you've got to give him credit obviously a few of them are penalties but he started adding or chipping in goals which we've desperately needed from him Yeah look I mean I think we could you probably use the word poor for the first sort of 10-15 games he wasn't great I mean I just don't know if 
being played in the right place. So I, th- I think a lot of credit goes to McDonald as well for getting him in a playing in a position that he's effective. Yeah, look, I mean, that chance, I'm trying to think if there's anyone else in the team that would have done that, like finished it like that. You know, it was just absolute relax, relaxed, very American there. Just so relaxed, chilled, just knew what he wanted to do. And it, it was really classy. Um, yeah, look, it wasn't his best game, but I don't think, again, that's a pitch issue. Pitch and the size of them. It was hard, hard to get the ball down and play. But no, look, I mean, the last few weeks, he's been our best player. There's no doubt about that. Gordon, I want to talk about the, the goal we conceded now because I've, I've not managed to have a, a good enough angle of it yet, but looked a very, very soft one to, to concede from our side. And I, I always do tend to worry when the ball comes into the box. Now, I'm going to preface what I'm going to say by saying that Fleming was outstanding yesterday and our man of the match, but he does seem very nervous um, coming for crosses. I don't think he's he's confident or that's not the, you know, the strong point of his game. But when they were getting the amount of corners that they were, you, you know, you're looking for him to come and collect it. That one seemed to just be out of the, even the realm for him in that time. Yeah, I think. I mean, I, I didn't get a very good view on the on the day because it's at the far side, so it's just you know, you know, it's a corner, but you didn't really see what happened on the replay. Yeah, I suppose it's one of these things where if a corner comes in and the first touch is in the six-yard box, you've got to probably look back at that and say, keeper should have been doing better. Um, I think that's probably just a you know a rule, basically. Um, it was a it was a good corner. I think for, again for their point of view, I think they'll look at that as a you know a really tricky corner to defend. Um, but from our point of view, uh, a poor one to concede. I think you know if Fleming will probably think you know looking back on it, he should have come out to that. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not quite sure if it kind of dipped if it was too high for the players at the kind of front post, but it went into a, a kind of group of players. So you're, whoever it is, you're really looking at someone to come and come and claim that and nobody did. Uh, and it did get a wee, it looked like it went straight in, I think from the first viewing, but obviously Bonnering player got a wee touch. But yeah, quite poor, quite poor goal to concede. I think it was frustrating for me because I actually thought we defended corners really well on Saturday. Yeah. And I, I, do, I do agree to an extent, Lee, about, Fleming, but in fairness, in the first half, he came and punched a lot, you know, a lot of corners. And we just looked, I don't really remember them having much of a chance from a corner, even though they had a lot of them. I suppose it's inevitable they're going to have one where they, someone gets ahead, or, you know, and it just so happened that it went in. But um, yeah, I think I agree. I think anytime the ball scored in the inside the six yard box, you kind of always do point to that. But There'll be, there'll be balls that keepers will look that come in. They're like, oh, you know, they just don't want to take that risk of coming for. Because basically, if, if he comes and makes a hash or misses it and it goes in, we're all going to certainly be, yeah. Blamed. You know, it's it's very difficult. But. Yeah, I mean, on the back of that comment, Fleming was outstanding yesterday. I mean, the amount of top top drawer saves that he had to pull off yesterday, and all season really. Um, you know, at this level, keepers are always going to be prone to a mistake or two, which, you know, you can accept. But, I mean, if you think of how many points he's won us over the course of the season with, you know, top drawer 
saves a time and time again, and he's won from Murray yesterday. Is there's every chance that that's a, a save of the season shout? Yeah, he was outstanding yesterday. I mean, I, I think there was one that felt a little bit camera savey in the first half, but uh, no. Was that when really... he, he skinned the boy? No, yeah, Jesus. Uh, heart, yeah. heart and mouth situation there. Yeah. No, there was one the guy shot, and I thought he maybe saw it late. To be fair, but it looked a wee bit. Uh, oh, the TV save, yeah. But no, he's he's a good keeper at that level. I mean, I, it, you know, if you think about all the teams in the league, he, he's probably in the top three or four goalies, I would imagine. And at that age, you know, he's still fit, very vocal again. Yesterday, there's a few times it was, you know, very evident shout of keepers and coming and taking control. So. As you say, you'll get the occasional mistake, but so, you know, every team does. But no, he was brilliant yesterday. And look, again, another reason probably why a point's a good result. Yeah. I mean, Gordon, we barely lay a glove on, on Bonnet, I guess, that day. I think it's fair to say, but we had one clear cut, uh, clear cut, why can't I talk today? Clear cut chance, which we. Um, which we took, um, but I want to talk about the the shepherd moment um, where he, he broke through and goal. And no word of a lie, when I, I watched it back, I sat forward to get ready to, to celebrate a goal, spilled the juice that I had <laughs> all over the floor, um, waiting for the ball to ripple across the net. I'm literally looking at the goal, and then I realised that he's cut it back. I mean... Uh, it just it screams of a forward with no confidence because it literally and this is going to sound harsh but it literally was almost passing the buck like I I don't want to do it somebody else can I think I I agree almost 100% I mean I'll I'll maybe put a wee bit of a a kinder spin on it that he you know he just he didn't back himself in, in the situation um, you know, maybe in the back of his mind, he's got, you know, I'm, I'm not on form. I'm, I'm not yeah. going to take the shot. Um, and I think it was one of these ones you're looking at it and you're like, you're just like, I right, go on, go on, go forward, take the shot. Um, and you know, when he's ended up squaring it, you're just it's it's kind of head in the hands. You're like, why did you do that? You know, that's you had the chance. And to be fair, I think as a team. We are a, we can be like that where it's like you've already got, you've already got the chance there. Don't take the extra pass, you know. Because if you're that Bonnie Rig defender, you'd be thinking, "Oh my God, I cannot believe he's just cut that back." You know, that's given me the chance. No way I'm getting to Shepherd. No way I'm getting anything on this. You've just given me a chance to clear it. And I think you know I watched him as he got he got subbed off, and it was you know head right down. He just looked. You know, and you know, I, I, not knowing the guy, not knowing what kind of personality he is, you kind of, you know, you want, you, you just, you want him to have that confidence. But it does, it does look like he's a player that that is low on confidence. And I think a confident player takes that shot, and maybe you score it, maybe you don't, maybe the keeper makes a save. If if you've got somebody with the swagger of like Jack Healy or something like that, you you know that he's he's taking a shot. Now, look, I, I don't know about you, Gord, uh, Doug, but. I, I, I would much rather see him hit a shot than miss. You know what I mean? And, and miss. Yeah. But the, I, I want to say again, I touched on it last week when you weren't on, when Shepard scored last week, there wasn't a happier fan in the stadium than me because I rate him a lot. Like, I think his work rate and, you know, what he does in terms of making, 
you know, running through a brick wall, make space for other players. I mean, we've seen, um, I think he's on about five or six assists for the season. Um, you know, I do think that he's definitely better playing off a flank, but, you know, he does look shot in confidence completely. Oh, but absolutely, and no finer example of that than yesterday. It, you look, we all know what, what he brings, and it's it's 100% proper work rate will, you know, absolutely give his absolute all. Do you know what? I think the pass was the right thing, if but the defender defended it really well. The problem was the pass just wasn't on. Do you know what I mean? Like, when he actually went through, in my head, I'm like, square it, you need to square it, because it's it would be a tap-in. But the defender actually defended it very well, because he got... He just got he got in the way. So be, I think the defender is basically like, right, go and have a shot, and I'll just hope that my goalie makes a save because he's like, if he just squares this, it's a tap in. So he defended well, but the pass wasn't on. So it was just that's what made it really frustrating. So I don't know whether that bit of lack of confidence and thinking that the pass is probably the right option means that then you've got less time to think about shooting, and suddenly it's you know, scrambled mind. It was just. Again, it was probably the wrong person to have that. If it'd been the opposite way around, um, and someone's maybe squaring at Shepherd or, or having a shot, it's different. But yeah, it's it is a shame. He, I think I think the problem is that he got off to such a good start for us. Yeah, and he scored goals, and I think we all were like, "Oh, maybe this guy is got potential to score more goals than we thought." But I, I suppose it is very. It's, as I say, it's kind of what we were told from Forfar fans in terms of a hell of a lot of hard work, but not quite producing at the big moments. But yeah, low confidence. And he, he does, that's where he hoped the goal the other week was going to help. Do you know what I mean? But I yeah. suppose the fact that it was a, it was a tap in, maybe, you know, maybe doesn't help him too much. But no, look, I, I thought he worked very hard yesterday and I thought he gave the defence a hard game again. But as I say, just that big moment where we you need your number nine to make the right call, and he didn't. So it was a bit a bit frustrating because I, I, I mean, at halftime, I'd put a I'd put a bet of minus two, uh, East five minus one, eleven to one. I thought I just I just couldn't see us not winning like two or three. No, I don't know why. I think probably from the last game. Um, and when we got that goal, you're like, you know, right, it's absolutely on, and that that was the chance because that I mean, it would have killed the game. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. I agree. Then, and you, then you've taken my the next question. I was going to say there to to Gordon. It did. It just flipped the the momentum on the head almost, Gordon. And and you know you've got to feel that if we'd taken that chance, that the game was outside. Absolutely, I think it would have been because I think I don't know exactly the timing, but it felt like it was just minutes after that chance that they equalised, and. You know, it's that is that typical thing in a game. It's just like you can feel the momentum shifting. Players, fans, everybody. You know, they are now thinking, if anyone's going to go on and win this, it's us. Like we've got a real chance here, and we are just like, uh, I'll just take the point now, please. Um, but I think uh, if we'd got that second goal, I think that would have been that would have been it. Um, but that that that's my point. Going back to earlier, Gordon, is we felt that momentum. The players felt the momentum, but we didn't do anything to change it. And that's where the subs come in for me, is that sort of thing of not being proactive enough and going, right, let's let's retake the game to them as opposed to just letting them on us. Because it did get to the point where you're like, we're now just trying to hang on for a 1-0 and against a team like that who are going to 
barrage of long balls. And obviously, we talked about the strikers they brought on. It's such a hard, it's too long to do it, wasn't it? It was probably 20, 25 minutes. And that's tiring as hell, you know, and you're always going to pass up an opportunity at some stage. So I just feel that's where the, that's where the game completely changed and we didn't do anything to stop it. I think, to be honest, there's, there's not many more talking points from the, the game yesterday, and I'm sure not not many even of our listeners all want to, to relive it. Um, we're glad to escape in New Dundas Park with a draw, and I will come to your 3 2 ones, gentlemen. So, Mr. Perai. Um, one, oh, uh, right, one point I'm going to give to McManus. Um, just nice to see him back, getting a full 90 minutes, and I thought I thought he was pretty solid. I thought he played pretty well, to be fair. Um, had a really nice fizz sort of through ball near the end. That I can't remember who it was to, but didn't make much of it. Um, so I thought that was good. Another good midfield option, actually. Uh, McManus, when he's fit. Uh, two, I'm going to give to Troughton, mainly for the goal, to be honest with you. It was probably the one bit of quality in a relatively poor game of football and three undoubtedly is Fleming um, yeah as you say he's uh, he's saved us he's saved us a point for sure Gogsy uh, one point I've gone Troughton again pretty much with a goal I thought he was it wasn't his, it was his kind of best game aside for that but the goal was very good um, two points I've gone Aaron Steele thought he defended very well and I thought he was probably, out of all our defenders, he was the one that handled Magaki the best. And by that, I mean, he fucking ragdolled him every time he came near him. And, and he was actually very lucky not to get sent off, I thought. But, um, but a very good game for Steele and three points, obviously, Fleming. Yeah, uh, got us that point. I, I did kind of wonder, actually, whether, because he seemed to be on the right mm. of defence. I actually wondered whether they might have swapped him and Murdoch when Magaki came on, because he was the only one that was looked like he was sort of dealing with him a bit more. Um, a, a, another quick thing, uh, Bonnie Rigg, uh, we're saying that's the biggest League Two attend- away fan attendance, which is very impressive. 214, yeah. I think it was. Yeah, thanks um, for jumping my... Oh, sorry. And then with that... <laughs> Jeez, I'm going to start quoting the Jeremy Kyle thing, like, this isn't the Doug Perry show, this is the Lee Gillis show. <laughs> um, so anyway, that's all a joke, um, of course. But yeah, my 3 to one was one point trout in purely for the goal. Two points I'm actually going to give to Sam Denham, who I thought was really, really good yesterday. And actually has been really good all season. Um, I, I think that a lot of people will overlook how young and inexperienced he is. This is like his first full season as a start in centre half and you know for me as young player of the year you know without a doubt and three points it's, it's got to be phlegm hasn't it I mean I think he said saved us a point yesterday um, Doug but I actually think he you know he, he saved us countless times this season and um, we certainly wouldn't have had the, the points that we did have without him so three points to Alan Fleming so Let's have a look around the uh, results yesterday because there was a few ones which were extremely, extremely pleasing. So I wanted to talk, obviously, first of all, about the game that will be on absolutely everybody's lips and Dumbarton versus Albion Rovers providing potentially the shock result of the season. 
I don't think, I mean, my coupon yesterday was absolutely horrendous. Um, and needless to say, I had on Albion Rovers. But I mean, I, I checked the score maybe 10, 15 minutes gone and they were 2 0 up. And then I was a bit like, oh, I really didn't see that full time result finishing the same way. I mean, Ultimately, there's there's nothing more than the like to to laugh um, at Dumbarton, who had. I mean, I, I checked to make sure they had their full team out. And um, they had, you know, Carswell and Peter Grant as their centre halves. Wales played. Obviously, the prolific Ryan Blair was playing for them. Orsay, Finlay Gray, Russell McLean was up top of them. They had a very strong side out and got completely battered by Albion Rovers. I uh, I actually watched the goals um, this morning. Um, and there was probably three absolute worldies. Like I'll be really? very, very good. The boy Riley is not going to be there next year. That's for sure. He's no. real quality. But they looked. I mean, it, it was obviously what was it four at halftime? Yeah, yeah. And it it could have been what you know many more, many more. It was weird. It, it was a it hundred percent will bust almost everyone's group. It bust mine. Well, actually, every game bust mine. But that you know. It, you know, it was done after twenty minutes, but definitely the freak result of the of the season and a real both a kick in the bollocks to Bonnie Rig, who are obviously slowly but surely getting there in many ways. So, it, oh, again, it actually just made our point big because it means we can keep looking ahead and not have to worry about about behind us. So, yeah, but I, I mean, fantastic. Just, just for Ryan Wallace, it's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, very pleasing in the, the Ryan Wallace um, fact, but he wasn't even in the team yesterday, not even in the squad. So um, hopefully that means that, you know, he's fallen out with somebody and it'll be somebody else's fault as per usual. But I mean, yeah, very, like, very, very surprising result. But Gordon, it almost feels like that's been coming from Albion Rovers because, I mean, they've they've had some really tough defeats, but they've got some decent players there. And it's like, or watching from the outside in anyway, that they've been due some they are doing. And yeah. it's it's been Dumbarton on the other end. Yeah, I mean, even the, the, the first game, not the first game of the season, but the first game we played against them through Cole Bridge, uh, we won 1-0, but I felt we were very, very fortunate. And I thought, you know, they were down at the bottom of the league at the time, and I thought, they're a decent team. And they're not, uh, you know, that that's not a reflection on how good they look. And I mind, I even kind of said that to an Albion Rovers player. I was like, I'm sure uh, Albion Rovers fan, like, you guys will be fine this season. You, you know, you should have won that. You look quite good. And everybody that I hear talking about Albion Rovers, whether it's East Five fans, folk on Pine Bovril, I think uh, they all say it on view for the terrace. It's like Albion Rovers are better than their position suggests. And it's weird because at some point, well, you know, teams, teams generally end up where they deserve, but. I don't know why it's never really clicked for them, but um, maybe maybe it is now. Maybe this is the point in the season where they're going to kind of motor away from that bottom spot. But they look like they have the players to do it. Um, so I think it has been kind of coming. I think that's the problem with this league, though. Like, there's no... There's very rarely been a result like that. You know, yeah. every game seems to be tight. Like And like I was talking about Bonnie Rig there, I mean, they every game seems to be a draw or they've lost by an odd goal or they've sneaked one by an odd, every single game. And if you think about even our season, it's not many times you've turned a team up, you know, really. Um, you know, we've had a couple of sort of 
wins by a couple or whatnot, but you don't tend to see many results in that in this league, which and it probably shows why the league table is as it is, really. I mean, that is Dumbarton's like second heaviest defeat of the season because I'm sure that Sterling pummeled them, didn't they? Yeah, uh, yeah. So I mean, Dumbarton, you know, I, I, I've said that each time we played them, they're not a good team. You know, they're not a good side. I fully expect Sterling to win this league. I mean, Dumbarton had like a 12-point lead, remember, at one point in this season, and they, they, they've thrown that away. Gordon's sitting grinning like a Cheshire cat. Oh, absolutely fucked Dumbarton. Like, absolutely smile on my face when you said that. I didn't mean to. Do you not think that's the problem, though, with this league? Because obviously we touched on it, or you guys touched on it last week, about do you want to go up with, obviously, with Greg, and he's obviously going to say yes. but. It it might be, it, it might just kind of happen because, like, if you know the third and fourth, it might well be us and Dumbarton. I mean, you wouldn't be scared of playing Dumbarton over two legs, and then the winner of that playing, you know, a team absolutely getting gubbed in the league above or whoever's fourth, like a four, it it might kind of just fall into your into your lap. Which, yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm very much with what Greg said. Like you're. You can't turn down a promotion. You no. don't know how guys are going to react. You don't, you know. But, I mean, the thought of the league above actually fills me with just dread and fear. Oh, well, we'd have to go up there and, and heavily invest. But do you want to know what? I don't even want to have that conversation because it wasn't that long ago we were all shitting bricks at the fact that we might go down. Um, and we were talking on this show that that was a, a real reality. Greg's put together an unbelievable run of results and here we are you know sitting um in fourth place and and actually on this form we will finish in the playoffs so we'll we'll come back to that anyway because it's, it's something i want to talk about but i mean other results for for beating annan i mean annan are the most bipolar team in the league i think because they either blow teams away or they get beat There's, there doesn't seem to be much in it i mean They've got some top players when you look at their team. I mean, I actually think they might have the best start in a living in the league. Well, the thing is, they've been brilliant against us, right? But we're on the same points, which means that we've been much better against everyone else. So I think I agree. They're obviously, like, potentially the most inconsistent. But at the same time, you know, we beat four for three times. They'll be looking at us going, oh, he's five quite a good team, but... Why are they not further ahead of us? Yeah, uh, maybe. Because we've been shy against other teams. This is the, the answer. Yeah. And the other result in, in that league, uh, Doug won all with uh, Stranraer and Stirling Albion. And I suppose the, the next thing I want to say is, why does nobody want to win this league? <laughs> I, I always think it's quite different when it's just two teams, though. You know, there's no, not a foot off the gas sort of moment. But I think, I mean, that's what Stirling, is it, are they a point clear with a game in hand? A point behind with the game in hand. Point behind, okay, okay. I thought they were top now. Yeah, so obviously they're technically favourites on paper. I mean, the the have they only got to play each other once? It's probably twice, I'd imagine. Twice. Like, yeah, because obviously that game's been postponed four hundred and three times. I mean, the Dumbarton pitch looked awful on on those highlights. I mean, yeah. I can't I can't think of people ground sharing very often on a grass pitch. No. You know, as the club that own the, you know, the the, the ground or whatever, to, to agree to a ground share on a grass pitch is very... 
It's what's funding their their their, their season, though. Oh no, absolutely, absolutely. But um, no, I think yeah, that was a the stunning result would have bust a lot of coupons as well, I'm sure. But um, especially they took the lead. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. That 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 would always worry you as a fan. I think in a home game against a team that are really struggling again, though. But I mean, remember when Stranraer came at Bayview, they were bloody brilliant. Yeah, they, you know they, I mean? they, we've not beaten them this year. Well, it's just it, it's one of the most bizarre leagues I can remember for a long time in terms of just you know you take away the top two, and like Albion Rovers could still be thinking about winning the league with and their second bottom. Do you know what I mean? There's no it's it's so all over the place. I'm going to caveat that because <laughs> Albion Rovers are on 30 points and Dumbarton are on 53. I don't think. No, no, no. <laughs> I said if you take away the top two. All right, yeah. Sorry, I, I never heard that part. Sorry. So let's go to the, the league table then because it is quite hilarious. So Dumbarton still top 27 points, goal difference of 12, 53 points. Still in Albion in second, played 26 games, but their goal difference is 22. So there's a, a bit, obviously, Dumbarton have lost, you know, 11 goals over two games, which would have made that, again, very, very similar goal difference to Stirling Albion, but 52 points. And in Athletic, 29 points, uh, 29 games played, um, six goal difference and 40 points. East Fife, 29 minus four goal difference and uh, 40 points. The Warriors on 28 games played, uh, minus one goal difference on 38 points. The 4-4 Athletic are 27 um, played on 37 points. You've then got Elgin, 27 games played on 33 points. Um, Stranraer, 28 games played, 33 points. Albinovers, 28 games played and 30 points. And Bonnie Rig Rose, um, 29 points, minus 15 goal difference and 28 games played. Now, Albinovers are on zero goal difference. Which is quite hilarious for the team that are our second bottom of the league. Um, but obviously that result yesterday again would have massively helped them. But I mean, look, we're we're sitting here just now and we're we're quite cozy and in, in, in fourth place, but realistically we have played uh, the the joint most games in the division. Obviously, having a plastic pitch, you know, really does obviously help that. But I mean, really, I, I, I was certain that Annan were going to finish in the playoffs, but you've got to look at Steny and Forfar. Um, and think it's probably between Ann and East Fife standing four for now for, for third and fourth. And if you had to hang your hat on it, Gordon, who are you, you putting in those positions? Oh, it's really tough because I think you know, no no combination of those four would surprise me. Uh, I, oh, I mean, I'm so fickle, but it's like uh, after after a good wee run, I'll, I'll put us in there. And I will put Forfar. Forfar? Nice and Forfar, yeah. I know they're off, off a wee bit of a bad run, but the result they had yesterday, I'm just going completely off yesterday. I'm like, we're on good, we're on good form. Forfar won yesterday. Aye, us and Forfar. But yeah. it, it could be anybody, any, any combination, any order. I mean, for me, there's only two words for this, and one of them is fuck, and the other one is nose. <laughs> not, not a clue. I, I mean, yeah, not you could make a genuine case for all of them. Like, yeah, you really could. Um, I think that's why where Friday's game's quite big for us because I think that would take Elgin out of it completely. 
because yeah. um, it would probably put a decent wee gap maybe between 6th and 7th or whatever it would be because they're starting to get a little um, gap there, is that right? Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, so, but you've got to remember that, uh, well, actually, there's four points between Forth and Elgin. They both played the same amount of games. Yeah, and I think I, I, I've always sort of gone down the thought of you're better having the points on the board than the games in hand at this level. So I don't, I wouldn't think too much about the fact that someone's got two games in hand. and Because you, you also don't know who they're playing. They might be playing Sterling or, you know. So yeah. I, I, I would, I suppose I would say I would maybe, would I maybe be disappointed if we don't get in them now? I don't, I honestly don't know. It's that wrestle between, <laughs> be quite happy if it's fifth and go, oh, what a shame. We've not quite made it to the playoffs. We don't have to go up. <laughs> but that's such a ridiculous uh, yeah n- honestly don't know next I mean how how many times have we said this season that we would be happy to to finish ninth you know when we've, we're on that horrendous run of form and, and now we're sitting here saying you know we'll be disappointed not to make the playoffs sum up being an East Wife fan in a nutshell is, is that statement because I mean, like like you're saying there, if I'm looking at this now and I'm like, if we don't take a chance to finish in the playoffs, I'm going to be gutted. Yeah. And how many East Fife fans will be, you know, calling for Greg's head or saying that we're shite or whatever? But literally, like this position five, six weeks ago, or maybe just longer than that, there was people screaming, get Greg out, get Greg out. But actually, do we maybe need to give two lots of kudos here? One to the board for backing their man, because really... Th- th- I've said it countless times now, one in 12 was sacking form. So I, I actually think in a lot of clubs, Greg would have been gone. Um, and two, actually Greg for having the cojones to to change and and, and be flexible in, in how he wanted the team to play to start getting the results and turn our season around. I mean, any combination of those two fit the narrative, Gordon, or do you have a different one to add? Um, I credit to Greg McDonald for for uh, for turning it around. Like I say, it was it was on bad form, but I think since since that draw we had at Stirling, where we played really well, and I think we did change things around, did make wee twi- tweaks to the team. We've been the best team in the league, so I think you have to you have to give Greg McDonald a lot of credit, and you have to give the, the players and coaches a lot of credit for that. I, I'm kind of in, of the mindset that I think. I know you can say like one win in 12 is, is kind of sacking form, but I think it would have been absolutely mental for the board to get rid of Greg McDonald at that point, it, given that they've won, they made the decision to hire him kind of weeks, months earlier. I think you kind of have to, you know, we're, it's not it's not like we've got the top budget in the league. It's not like he got this big pot of cash to go and build his team pre-season, I think you have to give a bit of consideration to the fact that it's not going to go uh, 100% plain sailing. So I, I think it would have been very reactionary to get rid of McDonald at the end of that, during that bad spell. But, you know, obviously in hindsight, uh, he's turned it around and things are looking good now. So, yeah. Yeah, I think it's... Uh, um, I, I, I really loved his interview last week. Or, not his interview, but when he was on the show... Um, it's just nice having a guy that can speak English. You, <laughs> you know, all, I was talking, I was talking about in the pub, you know, like a a John Hughes or a Stephen Presley type who tries to sound intelligent, but it's just a bit embarrassing. So that 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 was definitely a good thing. Um, 
Yeah, look, I, I would. The one thing Eastside Board have done for a long time now is back their manager. I mean, I can't remember. I can't remember the last time I had a manager who we sacked within a year, really, for a long time. Um, Willie Aitchison. <laughs> Different board then, to be fair. Uh, that, that, that was the only thing fucking Lee Murray did right in his uh, tenure, and that's for sure. Um, no, so I think I think in that respect, once these five have chosen their man, they tend to they tend to back them. I, I just loved Greg's answer last week when someone, I think Michael, first mentioned sort of bad form, and he was like, "Yeah, yeah, you know, we had a couple of games that we didn't really." And I was like, "I think it was a lot more than." <laughs> and then I think you, I think you came in, Lee, and said something about, "Yeah, one in ten or something." Like that. Yeah. And it was almost like it was almost like he just kind of got it out of his head that it was that bad a run, which is good. That's a good thing, and that will translate to the players who. You know, let's not panic here. We're we know what we're trying to do, and and we'll achieve it. Look, and and with that, with that team, with that inexperience, and again, it's what I said at the start of the season. If you can get a team of kids, basically, who are doing pretty well, it's great because it's it's what you want to see. I mean, that it's total pride now when you see a team like with seven players under twenty one. It's great. You know, it really is great. I mean, they're playing well. They're they're really good to watch. So, I think it's. Uh, I mean, I I was I'll put my hand up and say I was a team Naismith when it was between the two of them. But I'm I'm delighted really now. I think it's. I, I think I've just always had that fear of a legend being your manager, just because if it goes wrong, it's it's shit and it's not. You know, it's never nice the way it kind of works out. So I think that was one of my main reasons. But no, I think Board and Greg have done great. Really, really good. Yeah, so I just wanted to say on the back of that, we've had some incredible feedback on the, the show last week, probably the most that we've ever had on a, a non-player interview, um, just people chiming in and, and saying, you know, how well Greg spoke and, and how highly they think of him and stuff, which again, you know, considering that was Greg out across pretty much social media for a long time, it's, it's nice to actually hear that sort of positive reinforcement of a manager because it's not, we've not had that for a long, long time, so... It was definitely nice to hear. I want to talk about the the relegation zone in our division before we we go um, onto the the last part of the show. But there's not much between probably Stranraer, Stranraer, um, which every uh, team seems to tweet that um, Phoenix Knights clip out when they're playing them. But yeah, Stranraer thirty three points, Albion Rovers thirty points, and Bonnie Rigg on twenty eight. I mean, really, Bonnie Rigg have played the joint most games along with us um, and are two points behind. But again, like you've said, I mean, they, they seem to only just get beat and I reckon they'll be a team that does give somebody a doing at some point as well. Um, Gordon, do you think that, that that's Bonnie Rigg down or do you think there's a potential for, for maybe even somebody else? Because Elgin's form just now is absolutely horrendous and I've said it countless times on this show, they are 10 diddies in Kane Hester <laughs> and that can only do you, uh, you know, work for you for so long, so there's a few teams actually that could still get dragged into that mix Yeah, I, I don't think Bonnie are down by any means like like you say, they're, they're a tough team, they do not get beaten easily um, I, I'm not I'm not so confident they'll give someone a doing, but I think they'll be in most of the games they have left, they'll, they'll have chances to take points in most of these games. So I think 
I think they're always there if they can just get that, you know, turning these close draws or odd goal defeats into wins and draws. I think they can get themselves out of it. I think Albion Rovers are a good team and I think they will get themselves clear. I kind of can't see Stranraer getting finishing bottom. I just think I've been too impressed with them. Elgin are the team that I can almost see, you know, they, they've been on poor form for a long time. They, they went on a good run probably around Christmas. It got them up to third and they've just been week by week going down and down and down. Uh, now, they're only five points ahead of Bonnyrigg, I think, um, which is a which is a decent enough cushion at this stage of the season, but I think they they could be in trouble. For me, it's between Bonnyrigg and, and Elgin, uh, but I, I think Bonnyrigg are capable of catching them. I'm just going to... I've just brought up Elgin's form, and since the start of the year, they beat uh, four for away, then we beat them, then they drew by Annan, um, got beat by Steny, drew by Albion, got beat by Stranraer, got beat by Albion again. On the 25th of February, they beat Dumbarton, but who hasn't done that recently? Um, then Bonnyrigg beat them, then Annan beat them. You look at their remaining games. Now, they've got us on Friday night, who have beat them three out of three, um, and we've got to fancy our chances against them again. They've then got Stirling Albion at home, Stirling Albion away. So you're fully expecting. Zero points out of six. Albion Rovers, Forfar, Stranra, Dumbarton, and then Bonnie Rig Rose in the last game of the season with Bonnie Rig at home. Oh, I'm going to go out on a limb here and I'm going to say Elgin are going to finish bottom because I've never been impressed with them any time that I've seen them. Like I've said, all season 10 diddies and Kane Hester. And once you realise that they're only way of playing is a long ball over the top for Hester to run onto. If you play the likes of a Bonnie rig, no they're just, they're, they're, or, or a Dumbarton, I mean, I know they beat Dumbarton recently, but a, a well-drilled team that knows how to def- defend aerially. I mean, if we've got Pagey and, and Aidan Quinn fit for Friday night, we'll not lose that game because they'll just head those balls away nine times out of ten. I think Elgin are in deep shit. If it comes down to our last game of the season, winner takes all at Bonnyrigg, where a thousand Bonnyrigg fans at New Dundas Park, I would put my money on Bonnyrigg big time. I, uh, I, I'm going to just change this narrative because this is the most dangerous conversation to have when we're about to play Elgin at home. <laughs> this is the sort of conversation you have a team that you played a couple of weeks ago that you beat. We're, we're on a height and nothing now. Uh, but you know, it's hard to disagree. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm going to stick with my uh, original shout, and I think Bonnie Rigg might just. I just still don't think they've got enough quality, and I think that's why they're not turning these games from draws and narrow defeats into wins, because really, even like on Saturday, they didn't, they didn't completely pepper us with, and that was when we were not playing well. I just, I think they might still come up a wee bit short. I'm also not hundred percent convinced that they couldn't stay up in the playoffs to be honest though yeah I don't think either Spartans or whether it's Brecon or Bucky would you know pose them necessarily you know a lot of years you're like well if you finish bottom you're definitely down I don't think that's the case this year no I mean any team that comes up against Pony Reg is going to have you know a, a tough physical game to 
to, to come up against. I think the, the only difference between Elgin and Bonnie Rigg is a Kane Hester, is somebody that knows how to stick the ball in the back of the net because Bonnie Rigg had the chances to bury us yesterday and didn't do it. The, the, like you see, you're just missing that little bit of quality, but you know, we, we've, we've talked a bit about the likes of Megaki, you know, is, is he just maybe not fit enough? But if he is going to be fit towards the end of the season, he could score goals. The boy, Xander Murray, knows where the back of the, the net is. So he could easily go on a run. The boy, Faye, could go on a run and, and, and change their season around. I, maybe not Faye, because he was terrible, but the other two have definitely got enough in the locker. But Bonnie Riggs games for the rest of the season. Bonnie Riggs have got Albion Rovers away on Saturday. Massive game. Then they've got Stranraer, Steny, Dumbarton at home, Forfar away, Annan away. I think I think Bonnie Rigg have got the easier running, given the fact that Elgin have got to play Sterling twice. But I mean, look, we, we, we all know about this league and we all know how how tight it is. Um, so it's it's very much a winner takes all. But you know, I'm I'm going to stick with my shout. I think that Elgin um, have got a very good chance of finishing bottom. Who, who would you who would you want to though? Like if you could just pick one, I, I, I think I would have to go like Stranraer. Stranraer, miles away. Yeah, it's just miles Str- away. Stranraer or Albion Rovers. Albion Rovers just because they're a shitey wee club, and I hate going to Cope Bridge. Like I, I don't really know how else to put that. Like yeah, they're, yeah. they're just the what they're just a. Do you know when you go to McDonald's and you get like a cold burger, or you get that you get the one thing that they asked on the burger that you didn't want? So say you wanted the gherkins off and they put extra gherkins on. They're just everything that you don't want at that moment of time. So you never get up in the morning and I sat and they go, oh, I'm buzzing to go to Coat Bridge, but you still get there like an Elgin away day. You're like, oh, brilliant train trip up there, excellent. And it's purely from a I want to have a bevy conversation. <laughs> so um, I would probably go, I I'd probably go Albion to go down to be honest. Spartans coming up. I'd like that. Get oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. There's something about Albion and Rovers have been there for so long. The only reason I would say them would just be because the ground's so crap. And that was one of my main things about Cowden Beast was like, if you've refused to try and just tidy up a little bit, then, you know, I'm delighted that you go. Have you done Albion Rovers this season? Uh, no. They have tidied it up. I'll give them their oh, really? due. Yeah, they've put like a little terrace in behind the goals. It's not as much of a, I've just walked into a mix of Hiroshima and, you know, Chernobyl hybrid anymore. It's, it's definitely a little bit less shite, but still. It's Chernobyl shite. now. It's, it's not Hiroshima <laughs> Chernobyl. So it's somewhere yeah. in between those. Uh, okay, well, uh, see, I, I would say that that I wouldn't want Albion Rovers to go down just because something about traditional clubs going, you, you don't mind, like even in Elgin, they've not been in the Scottish football, you know, senior for that long. So it wouldn't be that bad if they went. Stranraer's just too far away so they can go. And I'd, and bon- I think I'd be a wee bit disappointed if Bonnie would go down. I mean, the, look, the pitch is a bit ridiculous. But there's something impressive about they're getting... Pretty much a thousand every game. Yeah, like the fans are great. The social club's good. The only annoying thing is I've been there both times, and both times it's been a nightmare getting through with roads or trains or you yeah. know, which is a bit annoying. But I like my trip there, and I like I like that they're a team that came up not with like organically. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, 
So I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I would definitely go Stranraer, I think. Crappy yeah, ground, just miles away. I think Albion Rose have got that thing. I remember mean, when it was like Coventry City, they've been in the Premier League for like 40 years and every year they almost get relegated, but they, you know, they always fight their way out. I feel like Albion Rovers have got that. They're favourites to come bottom every single season and they never do. So there's always a wee bit of a like, a oh, fair play to them. Um, yeah. um, for those of you that, that aren't on social media, I did take a really large amount of pleasure in noising up some some body rig fans this week with some with a light-hearted jibe about their pitch, um, to which they did not take too kindly to at all. And not gonna lie, I, I really enjoyed noising them up. So um I really I really enjoyed it. It was sensational. Uh, the picture alone is brilliant. I've seen that before, it's so good. Ha- however, there was a bit of me, almost every one of the responses, you're almost like, yeah, fair enough. You know, when it's like We've obviously got quite a soulless stadium with yeah. a plastic pitch. Yeah. We charge a lot of money to get in. <laughs> you know, everything they were kind of saying, you were like, yeah, I kind of agree. And then obviously people are just going back going, yeah, your pitch is shy. You need to be a, you know, tin pot team. You need to go get out of the league. Yeah, it was good though. Yeah. So for those of you that, that aren't on Twitter, it was it's a picture of a pitch which is halfway up a hill and it's all bedraggled. Um, and it looks horrendous, and I just tweeted, oh, look, it's Bonnie Rig, um, to some of which their, their fans come at me. Um, and, you know, that you know, like Doug said, there was a bit of, oh, yeah, well, you've got a, a one-stand soulless ground. And I was like, yeah, we do. <laughs> there's, 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 there's no argument with that. There's nobody going to sit here and say that Bayview's a football in Metropolis by any way, shape or form. But the, the difference is, is, is like I said, is like, yeah, that's right. But at least I wasn't playing on a gradient every week, um, to which didn't go down very well. Um, and then one of their fans had tweeted, um, playing on a uh, heli pitch or going to methyl. And I was like, well, at least you don't have to worry about going to methyl every week when you're going to be relegated. It's um, fun, though. It's fun. Oh, it was, it was great. And I mean, the, the other one, um, which I planned tweet, Yesterday, if we'd won, was oh well, Bonnie Rig, that's us pumped you again. Looks like we've given you a mountain to climb, but you have to do that every time you play at home anyway. I had it teed up, the ball was in there, I was ready to knock it out of the park, but obviously ended up with a draw. There is something ridiculously old school though, in terms of like you know, it's like at Bayview when it's pumping a hoolie, and you're like, right, let's defend into the hoolie first half, and then we'll get the respite of being. But they've got that doesn't matter what the weather is. Like, it doesn't matter what the weather is. You, you want yeah. to be shooting downhill. And it it's just so downhill. Like, I thought it was ridiculous the first one I was there. And it just felt more ridiculous, you know, the second time. Um, big shout out to their uh, Donner and Chili Pie, which I didn't have, but my cousin had and my mate had as well. And it did look very, very good. I was very sad um, that I didn't get one of those. Because when we went the first time... Um, it was the burger van, right? That's, yeah. that's what I, I got a shitey burger out of that. But then somebody else said, "Oh, there's a pie stand." I was like, well, "What the hell was that?" I didn't know that that was there. It's literally just as you go in, just beside yeah. the port of loose, yeah. and next to the next to the wee garden shed, which was <laughs> quite funny. It's the only time the uh, I was like, you know, the old my garden shed, which I was literally going, "My garden shed is actually bigger than this." Which is kind of <laughs> Well, I mean, I, I was doing some maths earlier on about the Bonnie Rig pitch because, say, for example, they did stay up. 
I mean, they should really look at, at sorting that pitch out. I mean, yeah. if they're getting 900 fans, say, um, or even 800 fans, like I'm, I'm, I tried to work out a rough amount of fans when you take away the fact they let under 12s in for free, right? But say they're making 10 grand a game and they've got 20 home games a season. Now, they're not going to have a massive playing budget. They'll make a definite wee killing out of their wee social club. But, I mean, that's 204k a year from admissions alone, let alone what they're making, like, sponsorships and, and all that sort of stuff. You surely got to think there's enough money to sort that pitch out. I, I, mean, I wonder I wonder if it would be way more expensive than you think, though. Because it's it's almost like the whole ground has just been, well, has been built around it. So everything seems to be on a slope. So I don't know whether they would also have to sort of level the concrete bit behind it. Yeah, it, it just because it's it, what's really funny is it's the only pitch I've ever been to where, when you look at the goals at the the high end, obviously the post on the right is higher up than the post on the left. So yeah. the whole goal is still the correct size, but it is at, it's completely angled. It's weird because they've got a double. Uh... It's like a double gradient. So you've got, you know, one end to the other, but then you've got one side to the other. So it's, in, any way you look at it, it's it's wonky. Yeah. Uh, a wee bit, you know, like some sort of bit of terracing along the side would be nice. So you're just standing in a boggy field. Uh, yeah. That'd be nice. <laughs> but I mean, this, this is coming for the team by, by far the best ground in the division. So, you know, I don't think we could be talking too much about that. But... Anyway, um, be interesting to see how the season finishes. And and one of the things that I did want to talk about, and, and Doug and I chatted about it earlier in the week, just finishing up on Bonnie Rigg, was the Sander Murray um, documentary that was on BBC during the week. I don't know if you've managed to catch it yet, Gordon, but it was really interesting um, talking about how the fact he's the only openly gay player in the, the, the SPFL. And I actually thought, um, Gordon, if you haven't seen it, Doug, um, it was really interesting and, and enjoyable and interesting watch. No, I thought it was very good. Um, obviously ridiculous at this, you know, time in life that you, you, you can't just be yourself. And, you know, if you, if you, you have, because as he said, statistically, there's definitely going to be quite a few players who are gay who will probably not come out until they finish the career, which is sad. I kind of get it as well. You know, you could see why um, people don't, I suppose, um, which is sad. But it's something that, I mean, we, we've talked about, we talked about a bit on the bus. I mean, either you think back to our growth when the Robbie Rayside chance and stuff, and you just think, yeah, I mean, it's it's ridiculous. You know, it, it's completely ridiculous. There's, there's loads of... There's loads of examples of it, and it does make you kind of realise why players just maybe wouldn't want to until until they're done with it. But then, you know, you're then talking about giving up a large part of your life just because you're playing football, which doesn't seem right at all. Got it. Yeah, I, I did manage to um, catch most of it, and I thought it was it was really good. Um, you came across very well, and it was it was interesting, and I think. It, you know, you mentioned the Robbie Rayside thing. I think one of the bits he was talking about was sort of, you know, being in maybe being in dressing rooms and stuff where people are kind of making making jokes, and maybe it's not sort of, you know, maybe it's like the person has not felt that they're being deliberately nasty. Like I think the Robbie Rayside thing. You know, a lot of people used to sing that, 
and I think at the time people people probably would have said is like, oh, I'm not trying to be, you know, I'm not trying to be homophobic. It's just a bit of a laugh. But I think what he was saying is, you know, if you are sitting there and you're you're gay and you've not come out, the impact that has on you is different. And I think, you know, people don't take it like, oh, it's a bit of a laugh. People take it like there's dozens or hundreds of people singing this thing, basically saying that. I'm rubbish because of this when when people shouldn't feel like that. So it was it was interesting to get that kind of perspective. And I think I understand why people don't I understand why why players maybe don't come out. And I think part of it is maybe just yeah, keeping their life private. They don't want to be known as, you know, they just want to be known for the football. They don't want to be known as the gay footballer or anything like that. Um, but you know, you would obviously like to think that people more people should be able to do it if that's what they want. Um and hopefully we're going in that direction. And I think you know, Murray coming out and then making this documentary will hopefully kind of, you know, make things a bit better for people. I, I think, I think for me, sorry, Lee, I think for me as well, it's, it's changing the perception of, you know, like racism is such a thing now, you know, so it's like people, it's almost like people, you just can't, you can't say stuff like, well, why would you? But, you know, I mean, it's extremely serious. Whereas, I think some homophobic language isn't treated as seriously and it's not, and not just in football. I mean, I always remember, I don't know if you guys remember, it was when Justin Thomas, the golfer, got, he basically left a very short putt short and was heard to call himself the F word for leaving the putt short. And it really annoyed me and really upset me, not upset me, but it was like, that you're using that word because it's you've done something weekly. Do you know what I mean? It's the context, and he got away so lightly with that, in my opinion. Like I think he lost a sponsor, but he's a multi-millionaire anyway. But it's that sort of thing where it's what you think of as it just being a, a bit of a laugh, like you say, Gordon, to someone who's in that position and it's impacting their life massively. Why would they come out? Like you know, why why would you? Because it's all it's going to do is add more stress. So I think what he's done is incredibly brave and it's great. And I I liked the fact that yesterday there was no issue and, and, and there shouldn't be, you know, at all. So hopefully he can uh, go through the rest of his playing career and, and not have any issues. I think there's been one, there was one game, I think, where he got... I want to say it was Stenny. Yeah. Right, yeah. okay. Because um, I think there was accusations of a racial, a, a, a racial slur, and then a, um, a homophobic one as well. But I just want to put a little bit of context for for maybe some of our our newer East Fife fans that won't understand the the Robbie Rayside thing. You know, there was a a commonly used chant against Robbie Rayside to the the, the tune of Seven Nation Army by the White Stripes about Robbie Rayside being gay, and 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 when we talked about that, and he talked about that tribalness of football and and you 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 instinctively join an internet you know you, you do realize you know i've been parts of those conversations and i'm look by I'm, I'm no way homophobic at all and we had a, a chat about it earlier in the week doug but you know it's i thought the money documentary was, was was outstanding it was unbelievably admirable and i think that you know, I, I, I asked you yesterday that, that there was going to be, uh, that I hope that there was no nonsense and you said there hadn't been and I was delighted, but not surprised because in all my years ago in East Fife, you know, there's been some horrendous shouts, but I, I've never heard anything, obviously, that's 
directly defamatory um, or anything like or anything as disgusting as that. So um, not that I have to say well done for behaving yourself, these five fans, but um, it's, it's great to see that there was none of that from our support. And what an incredible support it was to take 217 fans to, to any game at this level is, is outstanding. Three buses, I, I think I heard Greg say it was in the end. Unbelievable. And, and somebody that I do want to shout out um, on this is Ian Lawson, because what an unbelievable job he does organising those buses and, and getting fans to games and getting them there safely and making sure they're getting their, their food and, and all that sort of stuff for, for games that they go to. And, and that deserves massive respect because without that, how many of those fans would have gone to the game yesterday or found a way to get there? So huge shout out to, to you, Ian. And that's pretty much it from Glory Days of Gold this week. I had to talk about something serious there, which is something that we're overly renowned for on this show. But um, I'm going to start um, well, we'll start at the beginning of the end by asking two questions. First of all, predictions for Elgin. And then second of all, if you've got any, let's all laugh at. So predictions, first time round, Gordon. I think we are going to beat Elgin 2-1. Yeah, we beat them three times, so I just can't, can't say anything else. Let's all laugh at, I think, despite it coming in the hands of Ray Throwers, I think I'm going to have to laugh at Cove Rangers for, for getting beat 6-1. I think they're just one of these teams I would very much enjoy to, watching them getting relegated this year. So, uh, yeah, enjoyed that. Um, I, I'm just so worried about Friday because you know, we've just destroyed Elgin has been awful. Um, and we've beaten them three times. I mean, something you would think would give there. But I, I'd i like us to win a game sort of semi-comfortably. So I'm going to go 2-0, these five. Uh, let's all laugh at... I, I, I can't disagree with Cove, actually. Um, I think Paul Hartley is going to go down as having completely ruined two teams in one season, which is quite good, because he's completely destroyed Hartlepool by signing lots of second-rate Scottish players and who've not done very well. Um, and also Dunbarton and, 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 you know, specifically Ryan Wallace. I love the the specifically part at the end of that. That was great. Um, I'm also going to say 2-0. Um, I think that given the fact that we are a team on the ascendancy, the fact that Elgin are going to have to do a, what, a four-hour bus journey on a Friday to play an eight o'clock game, having probably had to claw their pan in at work for most of the day, definitely gives us an advantage. And it's one that I'm really hopeful that we'll take. And I don't know about you guys, but I, I quite often get um, quite excited um, by a Friday night under the lights fixture. Um, very, very excited about a Friday night fixture. Yes. Very excited. Straight out to leaving after that, Doug? No, I, I don't think I will, but there's just something... I think every team say it, but I suppose at this time of year, you don't get many games under lights and, and all that sort of stuff. So I think, uh, yeah, really, just, just the fact it's a Friday night. Cause it, it's something I've always thought, you know, when Edinburgh City did it, was it last year? Yeah, and didn't do anything for them. Though. No, I know, but in terms of, like, there's, there's something about sort of a Saturday with Jeff and the boys and stuff. If you could do both that and go and watch your team, it would be great. So, no, I'm very much looking forward to it. 
Awesome, me too. Um, my um, let's all laugh at was also going to be Cove Rangers, whose absolute, complete, and utter implosion has been beautiful to watch. Um, I, again, I actually quite liked them for a, a good away day, but spending so much out with their means, bankrolled by a money man, they are in deep shit, and I'm here for that. To be honest, um, definitely up for for watching that. And anybody making the trip to Hamden next Saturday? Uh, I'm not sadly. I didn't. I didn't get tickets for any of the games this time for some reason. Um, but you know what? Huge testament to Steve Clark that we've got a game against Cyprus at home that we've sold out at Hamden. Well, they did announce yesterday there's still um, some tickets left. Oh, is it okay? But yeah, you know, there's, there's not an awful lot. There's not an awful lot. I think there's a hundred or something like that. But... If, if you if you think about the games before where you're playing like a, I'm not putting Cyprus in the same boat as a Pharaohs and stuff like that, but you, you don't often sell out unless it's like a must-win game to, you know, go through or whatever. But it's uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Actually, I was a, a bit disappointed by some aspects of the squad, but. Um, but hey, you know, he's got his tried and tested that we're doing okay just now. Gordon, are you going? Uh, not going, but um, uh, a bit of watch on TV. Uh, obviously, uh, he's five games moved, so I'm quite looking forward to that. It's, I think with internationals, you kind of you kind of almost forget about it until it comes round again. But no, I'm starting to get excited about it. Yeah, I mean, Cyprus is a must win, but looking forward to it. I, I just, just very quickly, just... I still can't quite get over our luck at being second seeds, and it just looks a it looks a tough ask. I think right. just with Odegaard and Haaland, I mean, Haaland's off the scale, really. I was watching him in the the FA Cup game against Burnley last night, and just like Jesus Christ, we've got to play like play against that. I mean, I know he doesn't have all the other players around him in Norway, but yeah, that's gonna be tough. He's right but I think yeah. the fact that you, you look at some of the other groups and again, it's always that, but maybe that's every team does this, but you always get that look and just some of the groups are terrible. Oh. And you look at ours and you're like, well, <laughs> I just, I almost don't see us finishing the top two, which is maybe very negative, but. They've got the playoff though. Yeah, yep. no, no, absolutely. absolutely. Yep. Um, I am going to Hamden. So hopefully we can see three points and a resounding Scotland win. Um, so I've not seen us lose under Steve Clark yet so there's the omen that we were looking for to definitely get a 1-0 defeat to a penalty in the 88th minute or something like that but um, that's all from Glory Days Ago this week whilst I'm very much just hanging on to my voice we'll be back next week I'm sure um, for another show Um, Michael, good luck in editing this and listening to us rambling on for the last hour but most of all thank you to all our listeners thanks so much for the, the feedback I want you to keep coming back to us with the players um, that you were devastated when uh, they left. Um, we've got some a few of those sent in, but I still feel that there's a, a lot more variety to come. So please send an uh, invite email to glorydaysgold.gmail.com or on our Twitter or our Facebook pages um, would be outstanding. But thanks for listening. Take care. And more importantly, one the five. Warren of Glasgow presents the Scottish League Cup to the side that lasted the course better. All conquering East Fife. As I made my way to that pitch on Wellesley Road, 
Once more. 